You are listening to Golden Otter Divinations, where the metaphysical meets the mainstream with Autumn Seibel. Tune in 9 a.m. Pacific, the first Friday of every month, as Autumn helps you manifest your dreams by connecting to loved ones in spirit, empowering you to find both physical and spiritual healing. Are you ready to transform your life and connect to divine guidance through practical strategies? Golden Otter Divinations is the place to find engaging interviews with medical experts, practicing mediums, intuitives, healers, and many more. Now, here's your host, Autumn Seibel. Hi, everyone. I'm Autumn, and you're listening to Golden Otter Divinations on Transformation Talk Radio. Stay with us for the next hour as we explore where the metaphysical meets the mainstream. And remember to join us live each first Friday of the month at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, when we have new informative and engaging interviews with medical experts, practicing mediums, intuitives, healers, and many more to help uplift, educate, and empower listeners like you to find the physical and spiritual healing by recognizing daily miracles and manifestations sent by spirit. So today I have an incredible guest that I'm so excited about. Uh, her name is Dr. Baylor, and she's here to discuss how to take your health into your own hands by making those 15 minutes with your doctor count. Uh, this interview can help you familiarize yourself with the health education available to patients before they enter the exam room. And for anyone who has read my full bio on goldenlotter.us, Dr. Baylor is the healer that I've learned the most from throughout my life, as she's not only a highly sought-after medical provider known for her uncanny ability to diagnose and treat rare and difficult illnesses, she's also my mother, who I am so happy to have the honor of interviewing and introducing to you all. So she gave birth to me, and it's only right that as I give birth to this radio show, Golden Otter Divinations, she's here to... Um, for the first episode. So let's all welcome Dr. Baylor to Golden Otter Divinations. Hey, mom. Hi, honey. Thank you Thank for you. having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here for my my first show. Um, I thought that you would be a great guest, A, because I learned everything I know about healing from you um, it, as in a mainstream forum. And now I've gone a little bit, a lot metaphysical, but you always mm -hmm. keep me grounded in the practical scientific approach to understanding healing health and wellness and um you're kind of my touchstone when it comes to things like that even though in my early years a lot of times they didn't always take your medical advice and now i'm like okay what do you say because i realize that you are um bridging both worlds in a very practical way um so thank you for coming on um, so before we start, I like to um, raise our vibration for everyone listening and to really get in the flow. And I always start by asking my guests if they've had any golden moments lately, golden meaning a time you were just totally in the flow or an interaction that you knew was sent by spirit, um, something that maybe made your heart sing or just put a smile on your face. Mm -hmm. So have you had any golden moments lately? Oh, my goodness. Well, I just spent a week with my two beautiful granddaughters and my beautiful daughter and my totally awesome son-in-law so i had lots of golden moments there but the most recent one if you just want of my very own on fourth of july um i decided to follow my own advice and take a little ride on my bicycle in the woods and i was going up this hill had my headphones on and all of a sudden my music stopped and i looked over to i felt somebody watching me and i looked over and here was a deer standing perfectly still like a statue just standing there staring at me. Normally, 
when that something happens, you make eye contact, an animal will run away. But this deer just stood there and stared at me. I was able to get my camera out and video it. And then, you know, she, she eventually ran off into the woods. And I just thought that was such a beautiful moment. It's not common to see just one deer by itself, especially mm-hmm. a doe. And it, it just, we just kind of had a moment, this deer and I. And then I got back on my bike and, and it was a hot, hot, hot day. But I was out in the woods, so it was just gorgeous. And the next thing I came to is this old, old cemetery. And I've lived in this area for a long time when, you know, growing up. And I never knew this old, old cemetery was there. And I love old cemeteries for many reasons. But I took the time and stopped and went up and walked through this old cemetery and looked at the gravestones and just felt connected to all the people that were there. And anyway... I don't know if they were talking to me or what, but it gave me a, a sense of peace and uh, I felt reverent towards them and I felt that they were remembered on that 4th of June. You know, I, I send a little shout out up to all the little souls that were still buried there in that little cemetery. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Kind of reminds me of back home in Alaska when you'll be driving along and you'll look over and there'll just be a moose. You're like, oh, hello, Moose. And it it's such a majestic thing that it makes you stop and take inventory and just pause and look and really revel in the beauty that um, this planet we call Earth has to share with us. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for sharing with that. All right, mm-hmm. so let's get into medicine. And we're discussing where the metaphysical meets the mainstream, the mainstream being you are a licensed medical internist. Um, can you give us a little bit about your credentials um, and the years of... Um, that you've you've practiced? Well, I think probably, you know, and I'll try to make it quick, but what inspired me to become a physician is I always wanted to be a veterinarian from the time that I was born practically, according to my mother, all I could think about were animals. And as I grew, the most influential person in my life was my, she had rheumatoid arthritis. You'd never know it. She never complained. And she owned a general store, and um, I grew up helping her in her general store. She used to scoot around in an old uh, telephone operator's chair with little wheels on it. She never even used a wheelchair, just and used her cane to get around. But she'd always say to me, be a people doctor, and I would always just laugh. And I'd say, Grandma, you know I love animals. So when <clears throat> I was around 12 years old, she had a, a stroke, and then she had a series of strokes. <clears throat> And her health continued to deteriorate. And back then, there was no such thing as hospice or um, home health care. Families took care of each other. I was the oldest daughter. My Both of my parents worked. Luckily, we lived next to my grandmother. But I was uh, the one that was, I mean, there was no questions asked. I was the one that spent the nights with her. And I just slept on a couch next to her bed. And I can still, to this day, hear her voice calling out to me in the night. And one of the last things she ever said to me before she died was to be a people doctor. And And that was your grandmother? That was my grandmother, yeah, my little soulmate. And, you know, it's funny because I still, (laughs) hard-headed as I am, I still continued to want to be an animal doctor right up until I became a pharmaceutical. After college, I needed to pay back my college debt. So I got in the workforce and ended up being a pharmaceutical representative and After about a year of it, I realized what I really loved about my job was not talking to the doctors, but sitting in the waiting rooms and speaking with the patients. And I and I I got to thinking, 
people just really want somebody to talk to. They just want to be heard and listened to. And I, I realized at that moment that doctors were missing the boat, making the diagnosis themselves because the patients held the answers. So, um, and then I, I called on a group of uh, doctors that were medical students and they inspired me to go to medical school. And it, I guess there was never any, I was tempted by emergency medicine, tempted briefly by pediatrics, very tempted by going into a subspecialty, uh, hematology, oncology, and gastroenterology. But my love was taking internal medicine, taking care of the whole body in a rural territory where I could um, run the full gamut of being mm -hmm. everybody's subspecialist. So that's what gravitated me to internal medicine. I, after medical school, believe it or not, I went into the Army because my husband at the time was stationed at Hickam uh, Air Force Base, and the civilian programs were just getting started in Hawaii, so I chose <clears throat> to join the Army where their training program in the Army was just as intensive as any Army Ranger program. Yeah. It was see one, do one, teach one, and I... That was probably one of the, I, I say that that was a godsend because I I cherished the training that I got in the military. Not only was it see one, do one, teach one, but we were the referral territory for the entire, um, what, what we call the, the, uh, the trust territories, Micronesia. Yeah. Um, and That's I right. We were just talking about this and I... I mean, you've been my mom for all these years, and I never knew this part of your training, which explains why you have um, such a depth of knowledge. Tell us yeah. about that experience. Yeah. Well, your father was so um, spooked out by the whole thing. He'd make me shower before. I, as soon as I'd get in the house, I'd have to shower before I could touch you kids because I saw, and I thought that was overkill, but I did it anyway, just to ease his mind. But um, I lepros. I mean, who who sees and treats leprosy nowadays? Yeah. Uh, of course, since we took care of patients from the trust territories, there was, um, you know, nobody likes to think or talk about World War II, but that's where all the nuclear testing took place. So the diseases and disorders we saw were literally unheard of in the world. We have so many case reports that came out of that area, especially since the patients from there would wait until the very end of their life almost to seek medical mm -hmm. care and then we were also the we were the VA for the the local area and that's a huge population in Hawaii because you have Army Air Force Navy Coast Guard Marines and a lot of people end up retiring there and using the vet the VA we were also the referral area for um, all the embassies from Japan Okinawa Guam the Philippines as well as the referral the next level of care that we were the uh, tertiary care center for all of the military bases in Asia, Japan, Korea, uh, Philippines, um, and Guam and all the outposts. Yep. All right. So let's hold that thought for one second. Thank you for giving us that background. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about your transition from the army to Alaska and starting, um, being a partner in community health. So you're listening to Golden Otter Radio with Autumn Seibel. When we, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I will be exploring more about becoming a partner with your physician with Dr. Natalie Baylor. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Do you wish there was a do-it-yourself guide for starting your metaphysical journey? So did I. That's exactly why I created an amazing ebook just for you. 
Lunar Manifestations, a medium's guide to manifesting by the cycles of the moon, offers a year of new and full moon rituals to help you move from the life you've been living to the one you're dreaming about. Come visit me, Autumn Seibel, at goldenotter.us and get your download instantly. That's golden, like the precious metal, otter, like the precious animal, .us. We are back on Golden Otter Radio with Autumn Seibel. My guest today is Dr. Natalie Baylor, who will be talking to us about becoming a partner with your physician. But before we continue, I want to make sure everyone knows how to contact Dr. Baylor. So, um, could, Dr. Baylor, could you give us the best contact information for our listeners? Uh, the best way to contact me would be through Golden Otter Divinations, uh, the, the website, and yep. I believe Facebook page to call 800. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's perfect. Yeah, so we are actually going to be taking live calls. Um, so if you want to call in and speak to Dr. Baylor and ask a medical-related question um, or spiritual, metaphysical, mainstream, she's open to it all, call 1-800-930-2819. The phone lines will be open. Again, the number is 800-930-2819. Give us a call. We'd love to chat. Um, so now that we're back, Dr. Bill, we're going to talk about your transition from army medicine, where it sounds like you experienced a real depth and breadth of, um, training that most doctors only get to read about in case studies. Um, and you saw a lot of disorders and diseases that were thought to be extinct and got a lot of, um, experience treating patients that had waited until, um, their symptoms were pretty extreme before seeking treatment. So with that training, I, I'd like to talk to you about how you decided uh, where you wanted to open your own practice practice, and why you chose rural medicine. Uh, I think predominantly it was going back to the experience with my grandmother and growing up in a rural town, Cyclone, Pennsylvania, I was much more comfortable with the country. Uh, we were transferred to... Um, Fort Richardson, Alaska, and um, Autumn's dad was in the Air Force there. And the moment we got, the kids and I got off the plane, I felt like I was home. I don't know if anybody out there can relate to that. You know, sometimes you're like, do I belong here? But the moment that we all got off the plane, I was holding Autumn and her brother Augie's hands. And <laughs> it's funny because there's uh, all of my children's names begin, and I couldn't help but thinking when I got off the airplane, there's gold in them, there hills. <laughs> mm -hmm. And the first thing I saw was this rainbow, and I thought, I wonder if there's a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. And it's ironic because both Augie and Autumn had already been born. Their brother Austin came along later, but by then you had to have three AUs. So, so it sounds like you followed your intuition to Alaska. Correct. And, and then, then out I, I, rural I, community? Well, I, I was at Fort Richardson, Alaska, which is a little rural. It's on the outskirts of Anchorage. Um, and then I knew that I wanted to go into private practice, so I started doing what's called locums tenens, and I started working out in the little town Palmer, Alaska. And it was that same feeling when I, you, you drive out, if you ever, ever read the book Alaska, and go through the part um, where they talk about how the settlers came. That's where the, the settlers came early on. And it just, you drive out through those beautiful mountains and then this valley opens up and it just, it's literally to me, heaven. And that's where you wanted to That's be where I knew community. I wanted to, I used to joke when people would ask me because I wouldn't go into that whole 
uh, explanation, but I'd say, well, there were no stoplights and there, were, there was only one stop sign and no stoplights at that time. And I kind of liked that. But it gave me the opportunity to fully take care of a, an entire community the way I felt that I could deliver healthcare the best. And that was treating the whole patient and the whole body and put all of my talents that I had learned through the military, my military experience. And then intuitively from what God had given me is I, I feel we all have talents and God gave me the talent to heal people, diagnose and heal people. And then of course my experience with my grandmother and, <clears throat> and I just felt that it was a beautiful place to raise children too. I mean, Talk, nowadays they call it what free range children. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at look at my daughter. She's a definition of free range. <laughs> it was it, it was expected. It was not just expected, but it wasn't just accepted back then. It was expected. You yeah. know, kind of survival I, of the fittest. I do have an aversion to shoes. Dan's always on me. I'll run out into the just totally barefoot. He's like, shoes? I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> um, so let's talk about um, establishing healthy community habits. And what is preventative medicine exactly? Preventative medicine, you know, I should probably look up the actual definition. But my yeah. definition would be a person taking basically responsibility for their own future health. Mm -hmm. And as a physician, I, I know this sounds crazy, but that's probably the hardest thing to get through to, to patients. And, you know, many physicians absolutely abhor the Internet and all this information that gets bombarded to patients. Because let's face it, there's a lot of misinformation out there. But I feel that it has helped me tremendously communicate with my patients because you at least establish a frame of reference. You know mm -hmm what their expectations are, what they're thinking. You know, as long as you ask them, some patients fear being judged by bringing up something they might have read on the internet mm -hmm. and are quiet. And then they leave the doctor's office um, disappointed because a physician hasn't brought up something maybe they read. So I've always encouraged people to talk freely about anything they've heard, any perceptions, whether they're misperceptions or, or, or truth that they may have regarding their symptoms, uh, their diagnosis, uh, you know, pre-diagnosis that have been made, et cetera. So I usually start from scratch with patients so, and go forward in talking about yeah. the preventative. It's a really proactive approach to making your, uh, to making your physician, your partner, because they are no longer the holder of all, of all knowledge. Physicians are more guides on the side that are there to help you in, you know, in, a, in, a, in an emergency situation, but also um, be your partner. And I, I totally agree with you on that. That's something that I think growing up watching you be a physician for 30 years and I sat in, I don't know how many patient rooms, I don't know how many hours I spent sitting in your waiting room, entertaining guests while you were seeing, or guests, entertaining patients while you were seeing other patients. Um, and a lot of it was like, well, why are you here today? And they would tell me. And then I, you know, just have these really great conversations. And it's a lot like what you said. It's just needing someone to listen. And um, when I did my health coaching training, um, that was one of the main things that they said is we just need somebody to kind of be a sounding board and to hold the space because we have all the knowledge that we need to heal ourselves within ourselves. But sometimes we need to kind of excavate it and dig in there. And when you find a partner, a, a physician that's willing to be your guide on the side instead of the holder of all the knowledge that there is, it's really a um, 
it's a it's a beautiful relationship because they're there to hold the space for you to heal, but you're doing the work that it takes yeah. to really have long-term healing. And that's actually something I wanted to talk to you about, about what role um, having practiced medicine in Alaska, which is a subsistence culture, um, what role on on um, longevity do you think that nutrition and living habits have? Oh, I, I think it has an incredible role. I want to get back to that, but I have to say something about, about preventative health and, and kind of evolution. I feel like we're going through an evolution, but it's more it's not just an evolution, but it's a full circle. Uh -huh. Because being 64 years old and starting medicine when I was at like 30, basically, yeah. I at 30, I was taking care of people in their 80s. And I've, so I've, I've taken care of multi-generations. And what I see in the older generations that are kind of passing through, they most of them... Like, let's say when I was 30, the 70, 80-year-olds, they had a kind of almost a fatalistic approach to life. What will be, will be. You know, mm -hmm. they really didn't, they didn't care or even know much about um, preventative health. They just knew what worked for their ancestors and what had been passed down to them. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and the, through the generations of what I see coming up now, whether it's the internet, whether it's the fact that people realize that they have to take responsibility for their own care. But I see this next generation being much more um, partners, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. in their health care, which, which is a huge relief to me because up until now, I felt like I would, I'd lay awake at night worried about, will they show up for their mammogram? Did I explain to them the important, you know, I, I felt mm -hmm. like I had to practically go to people's houses and take them by the hand and take them to their appointments because they didn't realize the importance. But this newer generation seems much more educated. Yeah. So anyway, I just felt like I needed to say that and yeah. give your profession with the health coaching a shout out yeah. as well as people participating. And then back to your question about subsistence, because it kind of feeds into that. Yeah. You know, the older generations didn't realize the health benefits. They were in survival mode, you know, mm -hmm. hunter gathers basically. And, you know, they, <clears throat> if their lifespan was shortened, it was only because of the risky nature of their hunting and gathering. Mm -hmm. uh, but that being said, nowadays, the hunters and gatherers, they, they know about preventative health. They know that they shouldn't be smoking, shouldn't be drinking. So when you combine that aspect with their knowledge, plus the hunting and gathering aspect, they're, they're burning their calories while they're hunting and gathering their food. They're eating meat that's not tainted or, you know, or blueberries, things that are gathered in nature. Non-genetically non modified, no additives. They're from the earth, organic. From the earth, you have to work for it. And then it just, the food tastes better. I don't know what it is when you gather your own food. Maybe it's because you relate the experience, you know, how they always say presentation is everything. Well, I think mm -hmm. gathering everything too. Like, you know, like when we would go fish salmon, you know, yeah. when you would eat that salmon on your plate, you'd think about the actual fishing of it. And I don't know if that turns on some sort of uh, something in our pineal glands or something in the brain. I don't know if anybody's ever studied it actually, but that would be an interesting medical study, I think. Uh, but I, I think it's a very, very positive aspect when people stop and have those golden moments, as you yeah. said, you know, and we'll look, look at the native in Indians, how they did with their uh, hunting and gathering. Yeah. 
You know what? I want to talk a lot more about that, but we have to take a quick break. So hold that thought. And I want to make sure we have plenty of time to capture the whole idea. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Golden Otter Divinations with me, Autumn Seibel. And our guest today is Dr. Natalie Baylor. When we get back, we'll talk more about subsistence living versus living on the economy and how city dwellers or non-rural residents can mimic a subsistence lifestyle. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be right back. With me, Autumn Seibel, I have Dr. Natalie Baylor here discussing the bridge between the metaphysical and the mainstream in the medical profession based on her 35 years as a practicing medical internist. She's going to give us some tips on making the most of our 15 minutes with the doctor. But first, we're going to finish up some questions about uh, subsistence living and how um, people who live in the city can mimic that lifestyle. Also, Dr. Bale will be taking your questions live towards the end of the segment. So if you want to call in and get any kind of medical question um, answered, the call-in number is 1-800-930-2819. That's 1-800-930-2819. We look forward to hearing from you. So Dr. Baylor, right before we uh, went to break, we were talking about the role that nutrition and living habits have on longevity. Specifically, we were talking about subsistence living, which is um, organic, eating close to the ground, no genetically modified organisms or additives. It's kind of this hunter-gatherer um, mentality of your caloric expenditures equaling your caloric consumption and um, as a way to keep your metabolism regulated and and kind of tuning into the cycle of life. And that's something you'd mentioned earlier um, on the show is this cycle of life of patients that you had seen early in your um, practice as a doctor were a little bit fatalistic about their health and just kind of accepted whatever was going to be will be. And newer generations or the present mindset is becoming a partner with your physician. Um, so how can people become uh, a partner with their physician? First uh, foremost, uh, go, go ahead. I, I was going to say, or I should say, how can people embrace a subsistence lifestyle, even if they don't live, um, even if they live in the city, um, to become a partner with their physician? That's probably okay. the best way to phrase yeah. that. Yeah. You don't have to live out in the, the uh, sticks of Alaska to, to live a, a subsistence lifestyle. Uh, you could start off by, there's many uh, organic farms nowadays that sell their their produce at very reasonable rates so you can always shop organically and support your local farmers too in the process mm -hmm. as you probably are aware they're they're under the gun by big big business as well so that being said there's a lot of things you can do if you live in a high-rise apartment and have a little bit of a balcony you can have an herb garden you don't even need a balcony for an herb garden you can do that mm -hmm. over your kitchen sink they have all kinds of little pop-up indoor gardens, which is, you know, it's not the same as sunlight, but it's certainly a start. You can have uh, tomato plants. You can grow in practically anything, even a little mm -hmm. burlap bag. And what's healthier than tomatoes, as long as you're not allergic to it. tomatoes, potatoes, you can grow all kinds of root vegetables. Mm -hmm. um, outside of corn on the cob, you can grow just about anything on your balcony and enough to feed um a family. I doubt that you're allowed to have chickens in the city, but there are many places nowadays in the suburbs and cities that are zoned to have, uh, I think, like one or two chickens. So that's mm -hmm. even a thought to grow your own eggs. We, and then remember, 
we went to New Zealand, how we couldn't believe that even in the cities, every single household had a sheep in the backyard. Yeah. Do you remember that? So it, it can be done. And then you said when shopping, you know, try to walk to the grocery store if you can. Um, and that I think that's something really yep. interesting, this idea of, you know, we grew up in a rural community where if we did go to the grocery store, it was like you packed your car because it was an hour drive. But then we did have, you know, moose in the freezer, salmon in the freezer, the bulk of our um our our meat was was sub, from subsistence, but then you supplement based on where you live. Um, but then can you talk about shopping the perimeter? Correct. In the grocery stores, I always tell my patients it it's just an easy rule of thumb for them to remember instead of, oh, she said to get broccoli or, you know, whatever. I, yeah. I always say shop the perimeter, stay out of the aisles. In the aisles of the store, of course, where everything has the preservatives and it's boxed and, you know, and, and that's all well and good if that's all that you have at your disposal. But for the most part, you want to do daily shopping, just like people with a garden. They go out and pick what's ripe that day. So, you know, I would say if you have the capabilities, walk to your local market every single day and get just what you need for that day or maybe yes. two days. But don't don't stock up your refrigerator for weeks on end and get things that you that are going to go bad anyway. Um, and well, then, then that leads into a sorry, it leads into a cycle of wastefulness that, you know, they, we talk about in American consumerism, we buy everything we think we're going to need, and then we end up throwing out the majority of it. So if you really only buy what you know, you're going to consume it, yes, is it's inconvenience, inconvenient in this fast paced lifestyle that we live. And, you know, I'm a mother, I work full time, we've got so many demands on our time. But it's slowing down literally meal by meal helps kind of cut that frenetic pace a little bit. Um, and then you talked about getting outside and getting grounded um, for emotional health. You've talked about eating as close to the source as possible, which kind of mimics indigenous living um, that our ancestors used to do and talk about the benefits of gardening and connecting with the earth. How, in your clinical experience, what do you see with patients who live those types of lifestyles who well, are eating funny. closer to the earth? Right. Um, one of the most commonly questions I get asked is uh, what source of vitamin D should I take? Because basically humans get vitamin D from two sources naturally, mm -hmm. the, the sun, sunlight, and then our bodies synthesize it or food sources. So if you think about where we basically evolved, and some people don't like to hear that word evolve, but where we came from originally, when I have a patient who's asking me, what source of vitamin D, and they're obviously of Norwegian descent, I said, well, you probably need sources of vitamin D like D2 from fish, from the, yeah. from the ocean, because that's where your ancestors got it and your body is most likely to assimilate it better versus... Have you ever seen the literature on the blood type diet? Uh, there's yeah. a nutritionist doctor. You've seen that, the blood type diet <laughs> where you eat... Um, uh, there are certain foods that are better for certain blood types, types based on your genetics. I mean, now they have on TV that you can actually send away kits to, to, to see what specific food allergies you may or may not have. But that goes back to the conversation of becoming a partner with your physician, not waiting until you're, you know, terminally ill to get mm -hmm. help. It's like, when are you not feeling so great? Um, right. Yeah. Oh, we've got it. Go ahead. Unfortunately, we're all we're all a melting pot now, and we, and many of us have so many different genetic roots that it would be hard to tell. So, 
for the most part, if you don't have that at your disposal, or let's say a patient's adopted and really doesn't know what they are, then, mm-hmm. then uh, getting a little bit from all those sources. I uh, pay a lot of patients, I guess what patients are drawn to me for is my belief that if I don't argue with anything that works and, and it all does start with a belief system. And if a patient really believes that something's going to work for them, you know, I'll say, well, you know what, let's try it out. Let's, let's do Western version and, and whatever version works for you. And nine times out of 10, that is the key. And even the major medical centers now, like the major cancer centers in the United States have all, they, they call it integrated medicine because, because they've realized that the mind body connection is indisputable. It's scientifically proven. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not sure if we came back to the original question of, of uh, subsistence, but back to, you mentioned something well, about, we actually, we have a caller who called in, um, or who wrote in Sandy in Seattle, wanted to know, are there, oh, <laughs> hi Sandy. Um, she said, I've heard that there are certain items are less important to buy organic than others. Is that true? So um, in health coaching, we talk a lot about the dirty dozen. So those are pr- produce that are named for the worst pesticide exposure. So that's another you know, reason why um, buying organic is so important is this, um, what's being done to our soil and the amount of pesticides that are being sprayed on our foods. Um, you know, we pay a lot of attention to the quality of water that we're drinking, but not necessarily what, what is happening to our food before we get, before we get it. So to answer Sandy's questions, um, this year's list of fruits and vegetables that have the most pesticide residue are strawberries, apples, nectarines, peaches, celery, grapes, cherries, spinach, tomatoes, sweet bell peppers, cherry tomatoes, and cucumbers. So those are, um, that's produce that has a permeable layer on the outside. Um, hope that answers your question, Sandy. Before we go to break, Dr. Billy, do you have any other um, well, organics I, I that are less? To that, to that list that you just mentioned, I would say at least half of them you could obtain. Like I, I have an apple tree in my yard. You know, you you can find sources of your own organic food where you know that the soil has is untainted. Um, and I I had mentioned to you before, Autumn, you didn't realize that I used to worry that we lived, even though we were in Alaska, a power line was not far from our house. There's so many different things that go into what we put into our bodies that we're not even aware of. But um, that's why taking control and having control of your own food source is probably the best if you have a, the ability to see where it's grown and or even grow it yourself. And I think that's why, going back to your question about Alaska, we see where our food's grown. We know where the moose have been that yeah. on our dinner table. We know where the salmon have, what rivers they've been in, the oceans that they've swum in. And um, so that's that's real important. Whereas we don't know where some of our fruits and vegetables have come from that says made in Mexico. I mean, where did it travel and what's it been exposed yeah. Tra- to? I, I did a lesson for... Night, yeah, I told a mother last night, uh, she was at my house and she was picking raspberries off the raspberry bush <laughs> to give to her son. And I knew that I had sprayed it with some meat's foot oil a couple days ago. And I thought, I wonder if that's off. And it, just as she was about ready to put it in his mouth, they said, you better spit on that raspberry first. Just <laughs> Yeah. And she kind of 
I said, you know, mother's saliva is the most ho common household cleaner. <laughs> you know, nothing cleans a piece of fruit off better than your own saliva. So she did. And because the, the little boy is only two, he was trying so hard to get that raspberry That's in funny. his mouth. And I, so, I don't know if meat's put oils. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, um, Dr. Baylor will explain to us what listeners need to do about making the most of the 15 minutes that they have in the exam room with their doctor. So you're listening to, uh, this is me, Otta on Golden Otter Radio. Stay tuned and we'll be right back. Hey, you're just one moon away from living your best life. Did you know you can transform your life in 30 days with lunar manifestations? Start using the law of attraction to manifest by the cycles of the moon. I'm Autumn Seibel, and I just created two incredible platforms for you to finally step into who you're truly meant to be in this life. Visit goldenotter.us to begin your manifesting journey today. That's golden like the precious metal, otter like the precious animal.us. Back on Golden Otter Radio with me, Autumn Seibel. I have Dr. Baylor here discussing the discussing the bridge between the metaphysical and the mainstream in the medical profession. Uh, she's taking your calls live. So if you'd like to call in and have a question answered, it's 1-800-930-2819. Again, that's 1-800-930-2819. So Dr. Baylor is going to give us some tips now for making the most of those 15 minutes in the exam room with your doctor count. But first, she wants to talk about dirt. Dr. Baylor? <laughs> I, I know. I, I was just thinking uh, during that break, some of the points I wanted to make real quick. Um, I don't know if any of you out, listeners out there love rainstorms and going outside after a rainstorm. There, that, there's that clean smell, that earthy smell, and how it just makes you happy, even though it just rained. Uh, that's the best time to take off your shoes and walk barefoot through the grass. Dirt has a natural antidepressant in it. Well, actually, it has a microorganism, if you want to know the science of it, that when you breathe it in, through, <clears throat> it releases the same biochemical in the brain that many antidepressants do. So that's another um, added benefit of digging in the dirt. And um, Autumn's father used to say, where's your mother? Oh, out digging in the dirt like a hen. There's nothing <laughs> better for getting, getting rid of the blues and yeah. going outside digging in the dirt. Plus, if you read about it, there's a, um, a grounding process that takes place with electrically in our own bodies, because believe it or not, we're full of positive and negative ions. Mm -hmm. That being said, the other kind of quick points I wanted to make about subsistence when Autumn was asking me about getting outside and walking, even if you don't have the subsistence lifestyle, you can somewhat mimic it by trying to walk to the grocery store and then taking the beauty around you, taking deep breaths of air in through the nose and out through the mouth. Try to make it uh, a hunting gathering experience as much as possible. Also, and then back to um, therapy animals. I have a therapy dog in my office. The medical studies have proven without a doubt, patients' blood pressure and pulses, pulse are usually at least 10 points lower with a therapy animal in the office. Uh, and then for patients themselves, whether it's an animal or other humans, um, the best therapy for any chronic medical problem, helping others. Uh, when you start getting involved in another person's pain or suffering, and not to even call it that, but issues and helping them, you'll be, you'd be amazed at what good that does for your own medical health. While staying grounded in, and in your own self-care practice, because exactly. caregiver syndrome can, is a real thing. 
Um, so what you were talking about getting grounded in the metaphysical world, we call that transmutation. And it's basically taking the energy that we've kind of accumulated and stored in our souls and in our body's physical cells, and then giving it back to Mother Earth because Mother Earth, um, we come from it and it she has the power to um, take that and transmute it and clean the energy. You know, it's just like a you plant a seed, a tree goes grows, and then it filters the air that we breathe, and it's it's a process. Um, so back to talking about your exam rooms, what should patients do to prepare once they have an appointment scheduled with a medical professional? We've talked about writing questions before appointments, making lists of specialties, um, bringing a family member. What do you the, the, the main thing is to do your, if it's a first time appointment with a provider, uh, unfortunately nowadays many people are stuck with who they get because of their insurance programs of private mm -hmm. providers. But if you have some latitude there, I would do your homework and find a physician. I, I, when patients would ask me how, what's the best way to find a doctor when they're moving to another area, I say find a nurse that works at a hospital and <clears throat> start asking questions or same thing goes for different clinics and find some find a provider that you think will be willing to um, engage in your belief system as well uh, and aren't going to diminish your beliefs because the healing process or the preventative health process begins within you. So you mm -hmm. need a partner who will listen to you. That being said, go prepared with a list of questions. You want as much information provided to the provider before your appointment as possible. You want to make sure that they have access to your records and not just access to your old records, but that they have actually reviewed them. You want to make sure that if you've had any consultations, any lab tests, any radiographic procedures done by anybody else that you have questions or concerns on, you want to make sure that that provider has them in advance. So when you get in that room, they don't spend your 15 minutes looking for reports because that happens all the time, even mm -hmm. in this electronic age. You want to have your entire list of medications, including all over-the-counter medications. And if possible, I've had literally patients bring bushel baskets of supplements in, literally bushel <laughs> baskets. And then I'll, I've had patients, have had family members go home in intensive care settings where a patient can't speak for themselves and bring in everything out of their medicine cabinet. Mm -hmm. So, and if you don't want to bring it in, all you have to do nowadays is just take a picture of the label so we can see, see what's in this uh, mystery medication. Mm -hmm. So that's super important. And then most importantly, have all of your questions written out and make sure that they all get answered. And if the physician doesn't have an answer, then you schedule a follow-up so they can think about it and research it. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be long questions, but, you know, for instance, uh, pap smears. In the past five years, our screening pap smear uh, recommendations have changed dramatically and patients don't know where they fall. If they've been told for the past 20 years, you need a pap smear every single year. And all of a sudden they're saying, oh no, you only need one every three years. Oh no. Oh no, you're too old for one. You don't need one. Anymore. There's a lot of confusion about that and it's evolving as well. So asking those questions and getting them answered specifically to you, because it always comes down to the doctor patient relationship. Your situation might be totally different than the woman sitting next to you in the waiting room, yet everybody is now geared to what, is, what are the latest recommendations. Mm -hmm. And, the and latest then recommendations. You, you, I was just saying, you also, um, what are the latest recommendations? 
Oh, for pap smears? Oh, well, no, you're just saying make sure they're up to date on what the latest recommendations are. Um, and then for what about for them specifically because they, they do vary. Okay. And then what about bringing a family member or recording, asking the I, provider if you can record the conversation? Correct. I um, take care of an elderly pro population predominantly, and they're uh, from a generation where they don't like to share information, And number one. And number two, they get a lot of it wrong. They're not medically sophisticated to understand the terms, and you think that they're getting it, and they aren't. They go home, and then a day or two later, I get a call from a family member saying, what's this Medicaid? So yeah. I always encourage peace. And it doesn't have to be an elderly person. I know personally, me, if I had to go to the doctor and I've been told that I have a lump in my breast, I'd be so distracted by the worry of fearing cancer that I probably wouldn't hear 75% yeah. of what is told to me. So another set of ears and eyes, taking notes for that person is yeah. so helpful. Um, if the so provider doesn't mind recording the conversation, you can do that too. I, I personally did that not long ago with my horse's eye veterinarian appointment because <laughs> I wanted to make yeah. sure that I remembered everything that was said. And it, and it is so important to always ask because even though, um, you know, confidentially, confidentiality is expected in an exam room, you owe the doctor that same respect that you're working with them as a partner. And um, it's an energetic, balanced exchange. Well, uh, we only have a few minutes left. So before we wrap up, I did, um, I'm going to have to have you on again so that we can talk about bridging the metaphysical and the mainstream in terms of spiritual health. Um, we personally have talked a lot about the soul leaving the body, uh, those moments when patients transition and what um, happens there. And that's that's a conversation for another time when we can get really um, in depth into the metaphysical. Um, but I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, as we wrap up, I just want really quick, what are your top three tips for longevity? Just top three happiness stopping and smelling the roses um you know just making sure <laughs> my mother has a saying be good to yourself uh, yeah i, I love that really one. followed that advice i always say to her what exactly does that mean mom but but it oh. does mean a lot. it means okay. a lot to the person that's getting the advice getting outside breathing the fresh air uh just giving thanks to god every day even awesome. for your Thank you so much for, thank you so much, Dr. Baylor. And thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to follow Golden Otter Divinations on Instagram where you can check in and let me know about your golden moments so Spirit and I can cheer you on. Also, if you'd like to contact me or join my monthly manifesting membership, Lunar Abundance, you can go to my website, goldenotter.us. It's golden like the precious metal and otter like the precious animal. Please take a moment to sign up for my biweekly emails and get up-to-date information on all things golden otter. So I want to thank my guest, Dr. Natalie Baylor, for sharing such a wealth of information. I want to thank you all for tuning into Golden Otter Radio. I had an amazing time sharing this Baker co-creation space with you. So please join me every first Friday, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. Our next show will be Friday, August 3rd, 2018. Have a great week, and I'll feel your positive vibes back here next time. Thanks so much, Dr. Baylor. Thank you for listening to Golden Otter Divinations, where the metaphysical meets the mainstream with Autumn Seibel. Tune in the first Friday of every month at 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. 
Exploring where the metaphysical meets the mainstream, Golden Otter Divinations helps you draw in the abundance that is yours by divine right. For more information or to listen to this show, visit goldenotter.us. That's golden like the precious metal and otter like the precious animal.us.